0: Sports Radio, 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning on what's supposed to shape up to be another pretty warm day. You know, we had a pretty hot one yesterday. It it hit close to 100 degrees at uh, My Palatial Studios in Fort Collins here yesterday, but uh, I enjoy the warm weather, I do, and it's going to be cooling off soon enough. And we're going to talk a lot about places you can go and things you can do to cool off right here. You know, we live in a state where you don't have to drive very far, you can gain a little altitude, uh, get up in the mountains. We're going to talk some fly fishing with uh, Pete's Fly Shop, specifically probably the Poudre River, which by the way, um, there's a great video on my youtube channel the best of fishing with terry wickstrom on fly fishing the pooter for browns so check that out we're going to talk some hunting with nate Zelensky. and it's a uh, national shooting sports we uh month and we're going to talk to parks and wildlife about that and about volunteers and how you can be volunteer for parks and wildlife and become you know part of the the whole program so there's a lot going on today i'll talk some hunting uh, fishing rather towards the end of the show probably high mountain lakes but we got a lot to cover but let's go right to the phones and uh joining us from the colorado mountain club is emily bresco good morning emily
1: good morning carrie
0: (laughs) it's a uh, you know, I didn't ask you, where do you live and what part of the, you don't have to give us your address, but what part of town do you live in or what part of the Front Range?
1: I live in Arvada, so the west yeah. Arvada.
0: So you live right up close to the foothills probably then. And, of course, being a part of the Colorado Mountain Club, you spend a lot of time in the high country. And it really is nice when we get this warm weather to get up in the hills and get away from it a little bit, isn't it?
1: Oh, it's it's beautiful. I went paddleboarding up on Dillon Reservoir yesterday, and it was awesome.
0: Yeah, and you know, a lot of people are getting outdoors with the COVID going on. Uh, it's been—I I don't know if you can say an influx, but there's been a great um, number of people. You know, the youth sports were non-existent for a while. They've come back a little bit. Pro sports were non-existent. Uh, people couldn't go to a movie theater or out to dinner and they certainly weren't traveling. They weren't going to destinations like a beach somewhere or a wilderness trip up in Canada or Alaska. And so they turned to the outdoors in Colorado in large numbers. And I think we're we're happy about that. We want people out there. But there's also a responsibility to understand what you're doing and to understand what can happen to you outdoors and try to mitigate that so we don't we don't damage the environment, and then we don't turn a possible inconvenience into a tragedy. And Colorado Mountain Club has a lot of classes we're going to get to. But first, why don't you tell us about the Colorado Mountain Club?
1: Right. So the Colorado Mountain Club was founded in 1912, and we remain the state's leading organization in uh, conservation, outdoor recreation, and education Uh, opportunities. So basically, we're your outdoor community. Um, We have a network of volunteers that lead our members on a uh, a variety of different trips, classes, um, and events uh, across the state. Um, And all these activities range for novices and experts alike, um, and also just in types of activity, everything from rock climbing, backcountry skiing, um, to backpacking or mountain biking, basically anything you can think of that gets you outside, and we really focus on making sure people are doing these activities safely um, and have the the know how to to be self sufficient uh, in in the backcountry.
0: How many members do you have?
1: We have over seven thousand members, I believe, at this point.
0: Wow, that's pretty good, and it's a it's a nonprofit, <laughs> and you mostly most of your people are volunteers. Is that right?
1: Correct. Now, uh, we have um, some staff uh, that run some of our like youth education programs, but most of our activities are run by our dedicated volunteers.
0: Now, before we get to some of the classes, what are some of the other things? The clubs? Do you guys arrange trips? Do you get together in meetings? Do you have groups? What what? How does the club, what are the normal club activities?
1: Yeah, our trip leader, I think the thing we're most known for is our trips. Um, So our trip leaders will organize um, hiking trips or um, mountain biking trips, anything from a day trip to a a multi-night backpacking trip. Um, And then we also have a bunch of events, whether that be like a hike to happy hour, just a a simple after-work event, um, all the way to our larger events like our annual Backcountry Bash or Mountain Fest, um, which this year we're doing a virtual race for, in, for Mountain Fest rather than um, the actual event. Uh, so we're trying to adapt as best we can in these times and still keep people engaged.
0: Yeah, it's been probably a little more difficult to schedule events with COVID. Are you st- starting to get back to doing some of the hikes as a group or is that still pretty much individual?
1: We're still, uh, so we've started leading trips again. We're definitely doing it in small groups with certain precautions in place that all of our trip leaders are aware of. Um, The safety of our participants is our number one priority, but we just know people are itching to get outside and we want to create opportunities for them to do so safely.
0: Yeah, and you know, one of the things that attracted me to your organization, I saw an article about a class you were doing on uh, uh, first aid, on wilderness first aid. But before we get to that class, uh, let's talk about some of the other things that you offer as far as classes and training. If I'm wanting to get out and be a hiker, a climber, I want to get out maybe cross-country skiing, uh, even fly fishing, you have classes. What are some of the beginning courses and how can you help me get started, you know, being in uh, a backcountry outdoor enthusiast.
1: Right. So I, I think the number one thing we if you've never been outdoors before, the number one class we direct you to is our wilderness trekking school, which is a great um, opportunity to just learn the basics of what to carry in your pack, um, how to navigate certain terrain, um, how to operate outdoors safely um, and a, a little bit survival component, maybe some snow travel stuff thrown in there. Um, and then you, uh, and then basically from there, we have all sorts of activities um, that kind of range. So you'll have we have beginner rock climbing classes if that's your thing, or um, backcountry ski touring school is I, I believe open for beginners. And then um, we have a ski mountaineering school for maybe more advanced students. Um, so basically, so really any activity level you can think of, um, we we can get you started.
0: Now, are the classes aimed at now? You, know, you talked, we talked backcountry skiing and climbing, but and those can be demanding and rigorous. Do you have classes that that are more suited to maybe a person who just wants to hike the trail, or do you do trips that are fairly easy to do so that any level of person that's capable of activity could take part in?
1: Absolutely. So um, like I said, our wilderness trekking school is made for beginners um, and you, we even have some um, kind of one off and navigation classes that are, are made for beginners and really designed to make you feel comfortable be, being outdoors. What well, um, would an, so, yeah,
0: an, hi- an easy hiking trip with a club, well, what would that look like?
1: So all of our um, trips are rated on a scale. And I would say the majority of the trips we offer are an easy hiking trip. So that um, I guess it it can be somewhat subjective, but that's going to be, you know, something short, maybe um, two, three miles, uh, easier terrain, not far in the backcountry where um, help's not readily available, Um, something that's moderate with, with low, not too much elevation gain. Um, for those people not too used to the altitude yet.
0: Now, the class that really got my attention was the um, wilderness first aid class, because I had recently done some reading on EMT training that, how they're trained differently because you have to make different decisions and do different things if somebody becomes hurt or ill when you're in the backcountry kind of take us through that course what what is the basics what are you trying to teach in the wilderness uh, first aid course
1: yeah so in our wilderness first aid course um we uh, obviously we cover the the basics of first aid how do you um, prevent and treat uh common injuries and then also um Take care of those more severe injuries until help can arrive, um, and make dis- evacuation decisions on those. But I think where the wilderness component comes into play um, and can can be the big piece of this is is that um, risk assessment and and mitigation and just being um, prepared and aware for, of all those uh, things that can go wrong in the backcountry, um, and then also just there's that increased that wilderness element, right? If you're in the backcountry and something goes wrong, you're not always so easily able to call 911 and and have first responders respond on scene immediately, so you really need to know how to even in those severe emergencies how to uh at least take take care of it until help can arrive.
0: Well, risk assessment, I think is tremendous that you teach that because The number one thing in outdoor survival, when I used to teach some classes, was not panicking, understanding the situation, and making the best assessment of what your actions you needed to take. And somebody gets injured, and whether you're uh, with them or alone, especially if you're with somebody, you really have to decide, how should I treat them? How long are we going to be up here and... And can we get help? And if we do get help, how are they going to get to us? And will they be able to evacuate us out? There's a lot of decisions that come into play if you do get hurt or sick up in the high country, isn't there?
1: Right. And my my favorite uh, saying in my past uh, wilderness first responder training is slow is steady and steady is fast. So. Um, taking your time to really um, assess the big picture of the situation and, and work out all of the different possibilities of what can be going wrong, both with the patient and in the scene, um, and analyzing all the different your different options for both treatment of whatever the ailment is um, and evac or remaining in the field.
0: Now, I know you've got – I looked at your website, and it looks like you've got classes – Starting for as little as fifty dollars, this class is a little more, but you get actually certified in this class. What's the cost, and what type of certification do you get with this?
1: Yeah, so our you get uh, and it's a nationally accredited wilderness first aid certification, um, as well as your Epi, epipen auto injector training uh, with this course. Uh, and it runs uh, two hundred dollars per CMC members and two forty five for non members, which is actually uh, pretty competitive in the in the wilderness first aid market. If you check out other companies like REI, um, we're we're a little bit more affordable, but high quality instruction nonetheless.
0: Now, when somebody signs up for this class, in the past it was an in person class. I think you've had to change that a little bit for COVID, haven't you?
1: Right. Yeah. So this is a 16-hour uh, accredited course, um, and usually we do both of those field days, um, just both uh, classroom days, combination of classroom instruction and and field instruction. Uh, what we did to mitigate the the that in-person interaction um, in times of COVID was transition this course to a hybrid course format. So. Currently, what the course looks like is it's going to be a a four-hour lecture uh, that's a live virtual lecture with one of our uh, instructors, and then followed by four hours of self-paced online learning for you to complete at your own time. Um, So that's going to be a series of videos and and skills videos and quizzes uh, that we make available through Google Classroom. Uh, And then the final portion of the course will be an in-person field day that we'll schedule for a later date when we feel that um, it's safe to do so. And, of course, those field days will have uh, COVID uh, precautions in place because, as I said, the safety of participants is our number one priority.
0: Now, as you guys have been teaching this course, has there been one common misconception or tip that you think is most valuable to give people out of the class?
1: Well, I, I'm i going to say my number one tip that I, I took away is I think um, a lot of us are really eager to help others when we see somebody in need. But the number one tip that I learned was to um, first um, assess the scene for hazards to yourself, other bystanders, your fellow rescuers. Um, and make sure you're not going to be putting additional people in risk before administering help to someone else. Um, Too often do people rush to someone's aid, and in the process they create a situation where now you have two or three people that need to be rescued rather than the uh, original one.
0: That's really a great tip. Hey, if people want more information, we're out of time, but how would they find the Colorado Mountain Club?
1: Yeah, they can log on to cmc.org.
0: So cmc.org, I logged on. All the information is there about all your classes. Sounds like a great organization and this uh, Wilderness First Aid Kit to me. And you do some survival classes and some other classes, too. So you have a lot to offer. That's uh, cmc.org. Emily, thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Terry.
0: You bet. That's Emily Bresco from the Colorado Mountain Club we're going to take a timeout. we come back, we're going to talk about how you could volunteer to work with Colorado Parks and Wildlife on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Down. Don't let me down. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. No matter what your outdoor activity, your first stop needs to be at a Jack's store near you. Let's go right to the phones. And joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is Becky Morris. Good morning, Becky.
2: Hey, Terry. How are you?
0: I'm doing great. What is it? You know, I know it's a little warm, but it's been so beautiful out lately. You just got to get outdoors. And we have some great outdoor resources, and among those are the 40-plus Colorado State Parks. But those parks wouldn't run as smoothly or be as nice if it wasn't for a lot of volunteers, would they?
2: Yeah, that's absolutely true. You know, I'm just so impressed with everything that volunteers contribute to our agency. It's not just the time, but it's also a lot of talent and a lot of ambassadorship. And, you know, in a typical year, if you can believe it, we typically have about 6,000 volunteers at our state parks, our wildlife areas, our hatcheries, um, et cetera. And they contribute about 330,000 hours of time, which is the equivalent of 159 full-time employees.
0: Wow, that's amazing. Well, you know, the other thing about volunteering, to me, when you can volunteer, especially if it's something that's a passion of getting outdoors in parks, and parks, and there's so many different types of parks and activities, there's a satisfaction in knowing you're helping take care of it. And, you, and, and even though the public really does own our state parks, you feel a self uh, sense of ownership and, and pride, don't you, when you volunteer for these things?
2: Absolutely. I think, you know, one of the main reasons why folks volunteer with us is the passion and the interest or connection with natural resources. But I think a benefit that they end up getting out of it is an increased sense of stewardship, both themselves and a lot of our volunteer roles are meant to help educate the public and bring in new stewards of our resources uh, to take care of our our beautiful spaces now and, and for many years to come.
0: You know, a lot of people think when they think, "Well, I, I, you know, you volunteer. I could go do some cleanup." And you do need that. You get a lot of volunteers, but there's a lot of other positions and activities you need volunteers for, aren't there?
2: Yeah, I'm blown away by how many different opportunities there are to volunteer with Crawler Parks and Wildlife. I mean, you certainly can do cleanup, and that is critical and helpful. But we also need help in our visitor centers. We have. Citizen science opportunities, volunteers act as naturalists and environmental educators, do trail work. Um, one in particular that I was hoping to talk about today actually is really important for us, which is our volunteer camp hosts and resident volunteers. Have you heard of those before?
0: I, I certainly have, and I've interacted with them, and they're just great people. But, you know, I would think you get some turnover in those because this time of the year people are ending their stays and you got different weather coming. Tell us when those openings usually occur and some of the duties that Camp Host does.
2: Sure. So, you know, really the timing can vary. Typically we need the most uh, Camp Host and resident volunteers from Memorial Day to Labor Day. But some sites continue to have needs throughout the summer. So there are actually still a couple of sites with more immediate openings but we are starting to look towards the fall and winter, if you can believe it, even though we're still in the, the heat of August, um, because we do have some of our, our parks and our state wildlife areas and our hatcheries who need volunteer support during the cooler and colder months. So, for example, no, what, uh, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. That's fine. Yeah, so Campos, for example, most people are probably familiar with. They're the folks who help greet campers offer check-in assistance, maybe sell you firewood if there's not a fire ban, um, but also might perform light maintenance and upkeep, um, tours, that kind of thing. Um, but resident volunteers are also something that we need, which are folks who might staff the entrance gates or help at visitor centers, do like maintenance and construction projects. And these are all unpaid positions. Um, on-site volunteers who typically live in their RV or a camper at a state park, hatchery, or wildlife area. And what's really interesting is that um, historically and mostly, these are folks who might be retired and have two to three months of their time to give, but a little bit we're seeing folks who might be able to work from home and so work from their camper or their RV uh, with a, a, an internet booster or something like that to share their time while still working.
0: Now, any volunteer who gives is it over 48 hours gets a parks pass is that right?
2: Yeah that's correct so folks who contribute 48 hours within a 12-month period are eligible for a free annual state park pass.
0: And then the ones that are camp hosts or on site obviously that campsite is provided at no charge right?
2: Yeah that's correct so for the duration of a host position we do offer a free campsite Um, It varies by site, but typically we're looking for about 20 hours per person per week, but hosts also have expressed a lot of enjoyment, you know, just the specialness of living in these beautiful settings, building relationships with some of our staff and volunteers, and contributing to the operations of CPW sites. So those are maybe the less tangible benefits, but certainly some of the personal satisfaction that folks get from these experiences.
0: Now, you mentioned that because obviously COVID, people are working from home, and if they can work from home in the camper, they could do that. Has COVID affected the overall volunteer program very much?
2: You know, it has, um, as I'm sure it has for many organizations. On average, we've seen about a 25% decrease in volunteer engagement each month between January and June and some opportunities realistically continued if they were maybe more solitary, local, and individual. We have folks who do raptor or bluebird monitoring or river watch water quality monitoring. Um, Others were closed temporarily due to safety precautions, but now are open with appropriate protocols. And some quite honestly continue to vary just depending on the location or the program and what we can do to keep everybody safe. So it has taken a toll, but I've been impressed with the volunteers who have reached out to say, you know, Hey, I still want to support. I still want to be involved. How can I help from home? So this has been a good opportunity for our agency to consider different ways that folks can continue to support what we do from the safety of their own home.
0: If I'm interested in being a volunteer and finding out what opportunities are available, where do I go for more information?
2: Sure. So the best place to start would be our website. It's a little long, so bear with me. It's cpw.state.co.us slash volunteer, Um, or you're welcome to give our team a call. The best number for us right now is 303-945-1878.
0: All right. We're out of time, Becky, but you know, if people if you want to take ownership, if you really want our parks to stay beautiful, if you want them to operate, it's a great time to give of your time and it's so rewarding and it it just it helps everybody and it'll give you that really great feeling and you get outdoors. Thanks for joining us, Becky.
2: Thanks so much, Terry. Have a good one.
0: You bet. Becky Mars from Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Terry Wix from Outdoors is brought to you by Jack's Outdoors. Five locations on the front range. Broomfield, Fort Collins, Loveland, Lafayette, and one in Cheyenne. We're going to take a break. we come down, we're going to talk shooting sports on 104.3 The Fan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're walking it, Kyle. Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoors. You know, whatever outdoor activity you partake in, they have the clothing to help you do it. With today's modern clothing, there is no reason to not be comfortable and safe when you're outdoors. So stop by a jack store near you and let one of their experts help you out. Let's go right to the phones. Joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is Travis Duncan. And Travis, I understand this is National Shooting Sports Month. Is that right?
3: That's correct. It is National Shooting Sports Month. Uh, August is National Shooting Sports Month. and the governor has even signed a, a proclamation recently, announcing as much and uh, trying to get the word out to folks uh, about this uh, cool month and, and how um, shooting sports help contribute to wildlife conservation in Colorado. And um, it's it's a great time right now to to celebrate the month by by doing those things that get you ready for the fall hunting season by getting out and sighting in your rifle and um, and getting getting ready to go.
0: Now we've really seen. Uh, just an increase in the number of people going outdoors. I heard some of the numbers for the fishing license increases. I haven't heard the hunting yet, but I'm going to assume that there's a, a large number of people taking up hunting or going back to it that haven't done it. And there's a lot of people buying firearms for other reasons, self-defense and, and just wanting to do recreational shooting too is becoming very popular. So are we? Um, is every indication that we're seeing a lot of new shooters
3: there is. Yeah, we're definitely seeing a lot of a lot of new shooters, a, a lot of a lot of people out, uh, I think, learning about about shooting sports for the first time. Uh, and so one of the messages we're we're definitely trying to, to share with folks is to to really, you know, learn about about the culture, learn about, the, you know, the the ethics of, of picking up after yourself. If you're going to go out, uh, you know, and shoot on public land or be at a shooting range, wherever you go. Um, you know, follow, follows, you know, the best practices and be sure to pick up after yourself. We're seeing a lot of shell casings left behind uh, by folks. We're seeing, um, you know, target people who leave their targets or leave their remnants of their clay pigeons up after they've been shooting. We want everyone to remember to be a good steward of that land. This this land belongs to all of us. And so uh, when you go out, you got to pick up your trash when you leave and make sure when you leave it, it looks like you were never there. That's the most important thing.
0: Well, there's also, it's becoming more and more difficult to find public land to just go shoot, not because it's being outlawed, but because there's so many people recreating in areas that it's difficult to find safe places. So what has Colorado Parks and Wildlife done to add resources or help with resources for shooters?
3: Definitely, that's part of our mission is to make sure we're uh, trying to relieve that pressure by by uh, providing as many shooting ranges as we can through our uh, range grants program. So um, we awarded $725,000 to nine shooting and archery ranges um, across Colorado through our shooting shooting and range development grant program in 2020. Uh, so those funds will go toward developing new places to shoot and upgrading existing ranges across the state. Uh, if folks go to our, our website, cpw.state.co.us, or just Google CPW and shooting ranges, Uh, You can look in your region to see where you can go. Uh, But each year we update, you know, with, with maps, the the newest locations where those funds are, are going to this year. And so um, a lot of times we also have a small range uh, maintenance program. So there might be smaller ranges that just need, you know, uh, covering from the sun or need a berm or, you know, they need just a little bit of help to make their facility even better for, for shooters. So, um, go there, see what's near your area, you know, especially in this time of COVID-19, see what's close to you. Um, you know, I know folks on the Western Slope have probably heard about the Cameo uh, Shooting and Education Complex. That's a world-class uh, shooting uh, facility uh, that CPW now has. Uh, so if you're on the Western Slope, that is a fantastic option. They have great classes there, but we have great classes all over, all over the state. And I would say if you're, if you're brand new to firearms, um, you, uh, I would say just taking a hunter education class is a great way to get started in, in safe firearm use and understanding uh, the ethics of, of hunting and, and of using your firearms.
0: I, I couldn't agree more. I think um, I'm a firearms owner, as everybody who listens to this show knows, but I think that owning a firearm comes with great responsibility, and that responsibility is to understand the safest way to go shoot, to take advantage of the shooting sports, or to practice, even if it's self-defense or practice for hunting. But you have to learn about your firearm and learn the ethics of shooting. And I recommend everybody take some training uh, before they really get out and do much shooting because it's just going to help. My daughter and her significant other just recently bought firearms, and they're going to be taking a class on... uh, They're going to take the concealed carry class, but they're going to take it because they're taking it at... at, uh, Uh, Colorado Clays, which is a a public range, that's uh, you know, but it's a commercial one that uh, actually teaches a lot of um, actually teaches a lot of uh, a lot more than just the law. They get into operating your manual of arms and your firearm and understanding them. And uh, and along those lines, uh, you've got a lot of public shooting ranges that are part of parks and wildlife. But some of your grants go to other ranges to help them too, don't they?
3: They do that's right it's, um, they go they go to shooting ranges all over the state not just not just parks and wildlife ranges um, because our our mission is to to get folks out there involved in the sport uh, and so uh, if you go to ranges by region you know, our shooting range finder you'll see uh, some of them are on our some of them are on uh, state wildlife areas and some of them are just just um, deserving shooting ranges that are Doing good things and want to improve their facilities, and we want to help folks get out there and have that opportunity to shoot. Uh, like you said, Terry, it's getting more challenging with so many people out on the landscape uh, to find good places to go, uh, and so um, that's why we have this this grant program. And a lot of people might not know this, and I'm, but the Pittman Robertson excise tax the manufacturers pay on those products is a major source of wildlife conservation funding in Colorado. So by purchasing those products by participating in this sport you're actually helping wildlife conservation in colorado and in the the country so you're helping ensure that future generations have uh, those robust elk herds like we have in colorado have that wildlife out on the landscape that that everyone can enjoy not just hunters and anglers so um thank you for participating in the sport and for for learning all you can about it because it's really important for wildlife
0: the last quick message we want to get out, you mentioned earlier, be responsible, you know, pick up your shell casings, don't shoot at like glass targets and leave broken glass around if you're out just in the outdoors on public land, you know, leave no trace of what you, why you were there. And with the number of people we've got going outdoors, that also transitions into not just shooting, but being responsible outdoors right now is very important in Colorado, isn't it?
3: It's really important, Terry. Uh, we're seeing so many people at our state parks, so many people on our public lands. We've seen 23 drownings this year uh, so far on, on Colorado Parks and Wildlife State Parks. That is one off from a, from a, a record. So um, we're really telling people, you know, who who might be out there for the first time. They get out on a watercraft on a high mountain lake or reservoir, and they don't realize how dangerous it is to be out there without uh, your personal flotation device. You need to have that life jacket on yourself and on anyone on that craft uh, because it's it's more dangerous than you may realize if you go in that water. It's very cold, 23 drownings this year. It's too many. Uh, we need folks to not only pick up after themselves, but also take care of themselves and be responsible for themselves and their family and make sure they're being safe out there. So really trying to push that message to folks. If you get out there, you, you get in the water in Colorado, have a have a life jacket on.
0: Yeah, and there's so many. We're going to talk off and on about responsibility outdoors. And we're not, we don't want to get preachy, but we want you to understand the responsibilities. Uh, if people want more information on the shooting ranges, Travis, where do they find it?
3: Just Google CPW shooting ranges. We've got a great shooting ranges by region. You can, you can either search in a list function or search on our website uh, through, the, through the map. So whichever way works best for you, both are available on there. So we've got a great shooting range finder on the, on the Parks and Wildlife website.
0: All right. Thank you, my friend, and thank you for all that Parks and Wildlife does to provide us with recreational resources.
3: Definitely. Thank you, Terry.
0: All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk ATVs and dirt bikes and things like that with folks from Sun Power Sports. All that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, which is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoors. If you're headed outdoors this weekend, stop at a Jack's store first. There's one near you. We're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go right to the phones and joining us from one of our favorite partners, Sun Power Sports, is Mark Kite. Good morning, Mark. Hey, good morning, Terry. How are you? You know, I'm doing great in this crazy year and things that have gone. Speaking of that, you know, we've been kind of talking to different people in the outdoor industry. Uh, It's had an effect, uh, some negative, some positive. Well, how is the COVID
4: thing affecting the way you guys do business at Sun Power Sports? Well, you know, it's pretty it's been really kind of crazy, you know. We've seen a major uptick in business here, you know. I think uh a lot of our fellow outdoorsmen and Coloradans are, are are social distancing and, and doing that by way of the outdoors, you know. I mean, uh the parks and and uh you know, riding ATVs and side-by-sides and doing that. So, um, you know, ironically it's been really good for us. We we you know, we've been very very busy, good and bad both, I should say that, but uh we've we've been we've been extremely busy here at the dealership. Yes. How about the supply chain? Have you been able to keep up with things? Gosh, that's a great question. You know, it really is. So. Um, yeah, so we, we've we've done pretty good up until about this month, and now you know where we're, we're standing. Both parts, accessories, and even major units. You know, it's definitely we're waiting on some product to come in and stuff like that. But you know, Sun's such a big place. We still have tons of tons of product on the floor for sale, and you know, we're getting oh, I, I don't know, five or six trucks every single week. You know, so um, yeah, it's a little bit light for sure. But but at the same time, we're getting you know shipments every single week.
0: Well, I think something's going to happen here quickly that'll change some of that, too, because I'm sure the manufacturers were selling out of their 2020 models, and now the 2021s will be coming in, so that probably will improve uh, availability wouldn't you think
4: yeah absolutely you know i mean we ended uh we ended this selling spree if you will you know right at model year change and so yeah you're absolutely right there we've got uh, a bunch of the 2021 product and, and ironically that's what is being delivered right now is all 2021 products so absolutely anything
0: uh, really jumping out to you in 2021 any new models or new accessories or new features
4: Yeah, you know, there's a a lot of new stuff that's coming. You know, the Can-Am stuff's looking really good. The Maverick uh, Turbos, um, which kind of competes against Polaris' Razor, they're looking pretty good. They added a smart shock system, which Polaris has had for a while in the dynamics. But, yeah, you know, those guys, uh, both Polaris and and, uh, Can-Am are really doing a good job going back and forth on the side-by-side stuff and, you know, pumping it up. I've got to give a big shout-out to Honda. You know, the new Talon is just a great machine, too. So lots and lots of good stuff, Kawasaki's doing a good job. Kawasaki released a whole line of Terex 1000s this year, trail models, the whole deal. So, yeah, the product is really looking good for 21.
0: You know, a lot of people, hunting's going to be on us sooner than we could ever imagine. In fact, uh, pronghorn uh, archery, I think, starts like in a week. And then we've got archery for elk, and we've got dove hunting, and it will just be in full swing here pretty soon. And a lot of people use ATVs to haul gear to get up to a campsite as part of their hunting experience. Um, but when they come in, I think a lot of them are first-time ATV buyers, especially this year. A lot of people are getting into the outdoor, whether it's just trail riding, or whether it's hunting, or whether it's a you need a utility vehicle for around your property. But I think sometimes they have trouble deciding. Like we had a friend recently who I referred to you who's looking for a dirt bike he's going to use to shuttle when he goes fly fishing between his truck and where they take the boat out but he told me last time i talked to him he said you know i'm more than happy when i go in there if they tell me i'm out of line that there's something better well that's the thing about sun is you have such a variety and you have knowledgeable people you can really steer them into something that fits their needs can't you
4: Yeah that's so true you know um we've got a great staff here you know there's no question we've got a great great staff and everybody here's enthusiasts. so you know you're talking to guys who ride and and uh, you know they're into the sport as well and you know one of the first questions Terry we ask our customers is you know how are you going to use this you know so that we can put them on the right vehicle on the right machine because you know there's a lot a lot of choices out there a lot of brands and and uh, you know, all the OEMs are, are making great machines nowadays. So it really is true. You know, we've got to tailor what the customer's doing and uh, put a vehicle to to what they're doing. Now, what if um, I come in, I already have a, an
0: ATV or a side-by-side I'm happy with. You have all the accessories. I mean, hunting's coming up. What kind of accessories can I get from you and what kind of add-ons can i get
4: yeah that's a great question you know it's funny you bring up uh, you know the hunting season starting and i know the pronghorn archery season's getting ready to start i think the 15th of this month and we've had several of our hunters in here you know getting geared up but you know when it comes to the accessory piece of it um, when it comes to the accessory piece, lots of different things, you know, I mean, we, we, you know, these guys are coming in, you know, for the, for the cooler fall winter season, you know, heated hand grips, uh, you know, gun scabbards, you know, you name it. I mean, it's really endless bags, ammo bags, um, you know, all kinds of stuff to put on their side-by-sides and ATVs for the hunting season.
0: You know, i Every time you bring up heated hand grips, I've never forgiven you for all the times we went ice fishing on ATVs and you never
4: brought one with heated hand grips. (laughs) No, I didn't. No, I didn't. The last time Nate and I went out, though, I will tell you this. We had a full-heated cab system Ranger with us. We brought a North Star Ranger, so it was really nice. We never got cold. And that's the
0: trip I was supposed to be on and couldn't go. I think you did that on purpose.
4: Yeah, right.
0: And ice fishing in Colorado, we'll talk about more of that as we get into the season. But, you know, there's so many winter uses for an ATV or a side-by-side you know plowing snow ice fishing there's a lot of lakes you can drive an ATV and I'll tell you what you know as well as anybody the mobility those ATVs gave us to move around Glendo in particular allowed us to be successful when we might not have been otherwise
4: yeah absolutely Terry you know lots of stuff like that you know when you're when you're you know moving from spot to spot ice fishing all that just the mobility there there's no question you know I mean you can be far more successful that way you're absolutely right
0: Mark, how do people find you if they want to get more information or come out and kick
4: the tires? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find us uh, right off the 84th Avenue exit. Uh, We're about two blocks east on Pearl Street, so about 89th and Pearl and Thornton, where you can always visit us online at www.sunent.com.
0: All right, my friend. You uh, stay healthy and uh, keep business rocking.
4: Absolutely. Thanks so much, Terry. You guys have a great weekend.
0: That's Mark Kite from Sun Power Sports. Um, before we go to a break, I want to talk a little bit about Facebook and YouTube. Uh, we talk a lot about fishing. In fact, later on in the next hour, we're going to talk specifically about fly fishing the Poudre River. There's a uh, a video on my uh, YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, just on that where we fly fish the Poudre River and show you some of the differences and some of the the opportunities that exist there. I'm going to talk later on in the hour, two next hour, about some of the high mountain lakes and get away from the heat, cool down a little bit. And a lot of those high mountain lakes are featured on The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom on YouTube. So the about half the shows on that channel were filmed within your backyard right here. Now, a lot of them were destination shows. We went to Costa Rica. We went to Alaska, the Bahamas, Canada, Minnesota. So there's a lot of that, too. But there's a lot right here in your backyard that you can take a look at. And follow us on Facebook because we're going to continue with trivia. I don't know if we'll have one this week. We might. But I know next week for sure. And almost always the answer to the trivia question is on our Facebook page terry wickstrom outdoors in addition to that we repost podcasts of some of our most interesting interviews i post my some of my denver post columns on our facebook page and we also get reports fishing reports and updates from around the state that we post there and when we do add another video to the youtube channel karen posts it on facebook at terry terry wickstrom outdoors on facebook we're going to take a time out when we come back we're going to be joined by nate zelinski right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.